Welcome back to another episode of The Jacob Johnston Show. I know it's been a while since my last episode, and I do apologize for that, but I go through seasonalities in my life whereby I get busy uh, with one thing or another, and I do have you know ADD where I end up focusing so much attention on one thing to the detriment of another thing, and so there is kind of an ebb and flow to how much episodes I produce, but... You know, again, I'm starting to get back into being able to fit more things into my schedule, which is another problem that I have is that I tend to take on more things than what I can actually handle, leaving me to not really get enough in the way of sleep and to not, uh, well, I guess it's the same problem that everybody has when they take on too much. You just get a little of everything done, but you don't get a whole lot of everything completed. So I do apologize for that. I will try to be a little more consistent going forward. Now, when taking a look at this episode, I'm going to start off with something a little bit fun here. I know, I know there's a lot of things going on. The left has gone completely crazy. I know they have gone completely violent and the left-wing media outlets have lost all touch with reality. But I want to start uh, the first segment of this show talking about UFOs. Yes, UFOs. You know, with all the crazy things that are going on, UFOs seem to be the less crazy thing going on in the media right now, especially the left-wing media. So there has been a series of releases from the Pentagon and a series of articles uh, that have gone on talking about UFOs, where we have all seen on uh, Twitter and YouTube and, you know, other sources, videos released by the Pentagon of unidentified aerial phenomenons that appear to be vehicles that move in such a way that is not known to be possible by any modern aircraft known to man. You know, and there was thought that maybe, you know, our rivals, you know, China, Russia, or the such, had made significant advancements in their aerial vehicles, but then that was ruled out. And then, in the midst of all the craziness that is going on, they're now talking about crash retrievals. Yes, they have come out, uh, the New York Times uh, recently, producing an article here, uh, which basically says that there have been retrievals of materials from vehicles or you know, off-world vehicles not made of this earth. I think about that phrasing, off-world vehicles not made of this earth. Well, unless we're producing vehicles in outer space ourselves right now, you know, with space docks and, you know, Star Trek, you know, type uh, constructions uh, that we don't necessarily know about, there is only one meaning to that. Now, if it's materials, and they also say data, and materials. Then you start going off and going, well, if these are not made of this earth and no one knows who made them and, you know, these are things that crashed into us or, you know, where the heck did they find the crash materials? You know, it it, it starts leading into alien extraterrestrial territory, the type of talk that was once thought to be only by those who were crazy and insane. but. You know, it actually makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, think about this. We have been uh, primed or prepped for the reveal of aliens and 
and such that can travel through space. I mean, take a look at the discovery of planets that seem capable of supporting carbon-based life forms, where we could see oceans and lands and vegetations. Think about the history channels, ancient aliens. You know, and now some of us was just dismissing that as, hey, you know, this is kind of interesting. This is a unique take. But what if they had found uh, actual evidence that they have been keeping secret that all of that stuff was real and they were just slowly rolling it out to get us used to the idea that, yes, there are other life forms out there in the universe. We know they exist. They've been visiting us. And now it's uh, at a point where because of satellites and other technologies that being able to hide these alien visitors are, well, getting to be impossible. So now they're slowly rolling it out. Now, yes, I'm having a little bit of fun here, but you can see where I'm going with this. You know, the talk, you know, from History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We have the whole conspiracy for decades about what happened in Roswell, New Mexico. We have, you know, these articles and videos being released of these aerial phenomenons and data and materials being retrieved. And you start to get to wonder if maybe all those crazy people in tinfoil hats talking about aliens and being abducted by aliens and all of that. Well, now we're starting to wonder, hey, were those people really all that crazy? Or has the government been involved in cover-up? And is it just the U.S. government? Is there an international body that has been dedicated to developing or studying uh, materials and data and technology from crashed alien vehicles? You know, whether they crashed here on Earth or, you know, uh, I guess they would have to have been here on Earth. I mean, even if they crashed on Mars, you know, it, it, and we got some vehicles on Mars, we have no way of transporting it back, really, or I guess we kind of do, but it really just kind of depends. That's just kind of a side note. But all of this got me thinking about, hey, let's play a game of what if, right? What if? What if uh, aliens are real and that what the History Channel was promoting in their ancient aliens program had a lot of truth to it? What if a lot of that, you know, was actually come from data modules that we learned to translate from aliens or, you know, some sort? Of course, I'm not sure how we would translate an alien language, but okay, that's besides the point. But let's say, you know, all of that has been true, right? And then let's say, what if? The, you know, Roswell incident really was the crash landing of an alien spaceship that has been covered up and we had Area 51. Now, of course, you know, we could say sci-fi, you know, movies and TV shows and such have been prepping us for the release of this information. But let's say, what if this is true? Well, then you got to start wondering. How much has it already influenced the development of human civilization? Let's say, you know, that, you know, the talks about UFOs and retrievals of data and materials from, you know, extraterrestrial vehicles has truth to it and that it's all actually been a cover up. Okay. So let's see here. Crash land in New Mexico back in the 1940s, I believe. 
Does that mean that much of our technological advancements that we have made over the last 60, 70, 80 years has been the result of reverse engineering alien technology? And has that influence been going back since before Roswell, New Mexico? I mean, think about this for a little bit. I mean, we can all say that it was the spirit of entrepreneurship, the spirit of, you know, the individual seeking out their passions, the great American experiment that has led to more advancement in less than 300 years than what occurred over the previous 5,000 years. But even at that, when we take a look at the rate of advancement, you know, from 1776, to 1940, right? I mean, yes, there was a great advancement, you know, during that period of time, you know, in weaponry, the automobile, you know, the gas combustion engine, and, you know, manufacturing, right? But those, you know, were definitely machines. They weren't necessarily technological advancements, and at least not in the way that we think of it today, you know, computers and such. You know, and so we take a look at that and we do see that, you know, our development was already increasing. But then if you take a look from the 1940s on, right, you start to see that the advancement of, you know, the United States technologically took off, right? I mean, we see that. We see great big leaps in uh, computer technology. We see uh, great big leaps in basically all aspects of technology. And so you got to start going, okay, if what the New York Times is reporting, the release of the Pentagon videos and all of that is true, and that the government has actually been covering up the existence of extraterrestrials visiting Earth for decades, then you must consider the possibility that much of our technological advancement may have been accelerated by the reverse engineering of alien technology, right? That we didn't necessarily come up with these things on our own and that our ability to reverse engineer it has been, well, somewhat on the limited side. I mean, you can go through and have fun with this, you know, these what-if scenarios, and you could go through and really get into the imagination of how much of today's technology and technological abilities was just reverse engineered versus, you know, what we came up with on our own. We could take a look at how all of this has influenced and changed the direction of human evolution. And then we got to start wondering here about the nature of the extraterrestrials themselves. Because if all of this is true, right, and right now I'm pretty skeptical, but I can still have fun with it while I'm skeptical. But if all of this is true, then then you got to wonder, well, why aren't they doing more to reveal themselves? You know, um, why, if they have been visiting Earth and all that, that they haven't landed and said, hi, everybody. Is it because we're still too primitive to them? Do we have nothing of value to them? Is it because they view us at much like Star Trek's prime directive, you know, that we're too, you know, 
early in our evolution. We're not developed enough or we're too violent yet to be integrated into some interstellar body of government or, you know, some form of galactic, you know, United Nations type thing. You know, you, you got to start wondering why aren't they doing more to look at this. I mean, is this kind of like, you know, the idea of people going out and studying animals and their natural habitats? Are we considered, you know, kind of like a zoo amusement to them? Are they just taking a look at us as a more primitive uh, evolution of themselves? I mean, what if they look a lot like us? I mean, heck, this also goes off and kind of brings up the possibility that, you know, the idea of Earth is just a global version of Australia. Remember, Australia was originally a prison colony where prisoners, you know, were taken to Australia and then just pretty much let loose. and. You know, it was a cheap way to deal with prisoners and, you know, it it developed into its own country and civilization. You know, does that mean the early humans of Earth were initially, you know, from another planet and that this was just a penal colony? And now that, you know, so many centuries or millennia have passed by and we developed and evolved that they, that are distant cousins are checking in on us, checking on our evolution to see if we're ready to rejoin them. I mean, you can imagine that if the Earth was a prison colony theory had any merit to it, that all these millennias, we would have, well, we would have lost knowledge of it. It would have just become myth, a forgotten legend. I mean, there's a whole lot of possibilities that this opens up, and you can have a whole lot of fun with it. You can. I, we could take a look at this as saying, hey, are the reasons why liberals are so crazy is because so many of them have been abducted by aliens and experimented on, and what we see as botched experiments, and that's what leads to the modern-day liberal? I mean, you, you got to kind of wonder about that with the way they look. I mean, this is how much fun you can have with this type of story. Right? I mean, the, the ways that you can go, what if, are unlimited. But what's interesting is, with all of this coming out, you know, even though it's starting to get media coverage, this has been coming out at a steady pace throughout a good portion of the year, and it's barely made headlines, which just goes to show how crazy 2020 has been. Now, speaking of how crazy the left is, they continue to prove just how divorced from reality they really are. I mean, think about this. We've had a recent, you know, committee hearing in the House led by uh, Representative Jerry Nadler, right? And he wants to get to the bottom of, you know, the federal government using federal forces to stop violence in cities. And here it is. He's come out and he's tried saying that Antifa violence in Portland is a myth. Antifa violence is a myth. So this is one of the things that you'll realize about the left is that they're so entrenched in fake news and fake narratives that they have become completely separated from reality. And whenever confronted with anything that, you know, doesn't conform to what their narrative is or what they want to believe, they just pass it off as a myth. It doesn't matter that you can show them literally 
hours and hours of video of Antifa violence burning down federal courthouse. I mean, heck, even if you didn't even put in the word Antifa and you just put leftist violence and saying leftist violence is a myth. And it's like, well, they're burning down buildings. Shoot, there's people who are being shot for holding Trump sign. Right? There are people out there who are just engaged in complete anarchy and terrorism. And despite all the videos, all the live videos of it, all of the, you know, internet information, all of the reporting, they still want to go off and say, well, it's a myth. And, you know, during the House hearing, when it comes to them um, with Attorney General Bill Barr, you know, the left tried to once again just claim, oh, anything that says that violence is occurring in left-wing cities is just a myth. You know, that you're using federal troops for political purposes and campaign purposes. And then uh, Jim Jordan comes out, and during the same hearing, his opening statement was just vi a long video of Antifa violence, burning down buildings, attacking police officers, and you know, your general left-wing violence uh, that occurs on a very regular basis. But, of course, you know, Nadler didn't want that entered into the congressional records. And as far as the media is concerned, they're trying to report, you know, these violent actions of burning down buildings and assaulting people as mostly peaceful protests, mostly. You know, they use language as a weapon in order to manipulate people. But it's not just the language that they use. It's the online censorship. So a lot of us keep wondering how it is that the left has become so divorced from reality that people who are otherwise intelligent in other areas of life have become so delusional on political issues. I mean, we see that with our family members. You know, members of our family that, you know, business-wise, they could be pretty smart. Political-wise, they're pretty ignorant and have no concept of what's going on. And it's not an accident, but, you know, they are being deliberately, willfully ignorant of the facts and the issues of the case. And they've learned from other, you know, watching other leftists, not to let anybody who disagrees with you ever talk. I have a sibling where, you know, we try to avoid political conversations. But when political conversations come up, that sibling wants to dominate the conversation, to do all the talking and try to act like they are speaking from an authoritative, knowledgeable set of information and want to think that it, it, only out of ignorance could anybody disagree with them. But then when you try to respond, and you respond, and you can point out facts, you can cite sources of information, you can do a whole lot of things. They tune out. You know, they obviously aren't listening. They're, the most that they are doing, if they are being polite, is just waiting for you to stop so that they can just ignore everything you say and move along. And most of the time, though, they will cut you off and talk over you and try and just prevent you from speaking because they don't want to hear any counterfactual information, right? And they'll try and act like only their points of views are legitimate. 
Now, how is it that the left has gotten that way? How is it that otherwise seemingly intelligent people have gotten to a place of such ignorance? Well, it is because of the tyranny of the left and their dominance over information. So think about this. Why do you think it is that online, you know, social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter are so heavily engaged in online censorship, blacklisting, shadow banning, you know, suppression of information. And if you post anything that they don't agree with, they will ban you. They will suspend you. They will remove you, right? Just like with, um, with traditional media. Control of the information is control of the people. This is why whenever you take a look at history, whenever you take a look at every murderous dictator and tyrant to ever rule a country, what do they do? They censor information. They burn books. Well, shadow banning online censorship is the digital version of book banning. They control all the access to information and knowledge. Right? And they dictate what you are and are not allowed to read, what you are and are not allowed to say, and by extension, what you are and are not allowed to think. I mean, this is, you know, the basically, uh, Orwellian society. Right? And whenever a tyrant gains control over an otherwise free nation, what do they do? They engage in propaganda, fake news, banning any, you know, non-government approved information they will ban and all of that because they know that knowledge is power. And as long as the only information that you can get access to is only the information that they themselves approve of and that any disagreement shall not be allowed in any public debate, information, or place of discussion, well, then they get to control every aspect of your life. And so when you see that the media is going out and engaging in their delusional propaganda, when when Facebook and Twitter are suppressing any counterfactual information that proves the left-wing narrative is completely bogus, it's all designed to suppress knowledge and information. It's all designed to entrap people inside of an information bubble of disinformation. That way they can control what they think. They can control what they believe about a particular situation. And from there, they can control how the person is going to act and behave. Because think about this. As human beings, our thought process, our actions, our behavior is the result of the information we take in. It's the result of what we learn. And unfortunately, there's a process that Well, I guess the basic way to say it is garbage in, garbage out. So if the only information that you're getting is garbage, then the only, then you're going to be acting based off of that garbage information, which means your actions are going to be wrong. Now, they also try to go through and say, well, the experts are saying X, Y, Z, but who's determining who the expert is? Oh, yes, the media. And the only experts or the only people who are considered experts are the people that are telling the left-wing media what it is they want to hear. I mean, let's remember, there was a time when experts said the earth was flat and that if you went too far, 
you would fall off the earth, and that anybody who challenged that belief was ostracized and rejected from society. Remember how corrupt so-called experts can get. I mean, think about this. We'd say, take a look at what the scientists are saying. Who are you to question science? The appeal to authority argument. But we know throughout history, scientists have been corrupted many, many times. I mean, you take a look back at Nazi Germany. You know, what were they able to do? Well, they controlled all the flows of information. They had, you know, banned any non-government approved literature. The only news broadcasts are the things that only promoted what the Nazi party wanted promoted. But they also reinforced all of that with scientific studies. I mean, I know I'm on audio, so you can't see the air quotes, right? You know, they had their own group of scientists who were going out there saying that it was scientifically proven that the Jews are, you know, and, you know, such were inferior and less than human or subhuman. In fact, when you take a look at a lot of tyrants that have gauged in oppression of any group of people, you'll see that they have their own hand-picked group of scientists that will confirm through their scientific studies that those people were less than human. You know, and they try to appeal to that authority to reinforce the propaganda in the media and the censorship, you know, that blocks any counterfactual information. And we're seeing this going on on the left because the left is inherently throughout history has been violent, has been tyrannical, has been oppressive while simultaneously claiming to be the, you know, ones who are, you know, promoting freedom and the betterment of the world. Remember, you know, just like how the left wants to blame uh, white people, you know, any white-skinned person as the cause of all problems in the country and as as the cause of all problems, you know, in the black community, Hitler blamed the Jews for all the problems of Germany. I mean, Hitler was such an evil person that you can see all the things that he had done that was very far and wide-reaching. But remember, Hitler was a leftist. Yes, despite the left's claim of trying to say Hitler was some extreme right-winger, no, Hitler had no common beliefs with the right-wing of politics. You know, when you take a look at what Hitler believed in, he believed in, you know, uh, centralized government, socialism. He believed that the government should dictate every aspect of your life to you. And he believed that the government had the right to control all information and knowledge. Well, the left agrees with all of that now, right? The left agrees with, you know, 99.99% of what Hitler believed in. Only they don't even realize that they believe in those things. They don't. They actually believe that they are promoting freedom by violently attacking, terrorizing, and eliminating from public view anybody who disagrees with them. They try to think that diversity means diversity of skin color, diversity of sexual orientation. But 
That diversity is only accepted so long as everybody thinks the same, so long as everybody has the same beliefs, so long as they all think like the Borg with one single collective, with no disagreement. Whereas the right believes that diversity is diversity of thought, diversity of ideas, diversity of opinions, through rigorous debate of opposing ideas. That is what true diversity is. What good is diversity of skin color if everyone is you know, expected to think and act exactly the same? Everything the left does is deliberate, designed to basically con you out of your freedom so that the very top of the leftist political wing will be in control of everything, have all the money just like it is, and every other dictatorship, and yet you are supposed to believe that by being, by giving up your freedom and becoming oppressed, that you are celebrating freedom and equality. Well, I guess you're all going to be equally miserable and oppressed, but that's not the type of equality I think you're looking for. So is there anything that we can do to combat online censorship? Well, yeah, actually there is, you know, and and it's basically kind of going back to what we did before social media, right? Oh, dropped my pen. And this is one of the things that I have done to get around the online censorship. So for instance, instead of going to Facebook and Twitter to see what the news of the day is, you know, and relying on them through their algorithms to decide what I should and shouldn't see in the media, I have gone back. Uh, to using RSS feeds. Yes, you remember RSS feeds, right? You have an RSS reader, you put in the feed, and it automatically downloads the content for you, and then you can read it uh, at your own leisure. And it's not just for news. It's for everything, whether it's personal finance blogs, uh, personal relationship blogs, entertainment blogs, whatever. They all actually have RSS feeds. And there are still apps out there, you know, with RSS readers that will provide you the full content of that. And then you can just get around to reading it at your own leisure, you know, uh, as an app on your phone. Or if you still use the desktop installation of Microsoft Outlook, it has an RSS reader. Although I will say that the phone app actually delivers you the full article versus you know, Outlook giving you basically, you know, a short summary and then a read more link. But in any event, you don't have censorship of the RSS feed. So that is nice. So you can get access to the information. And RSS feeds is also what makes podcasts available. So you get um, both written audio and video available without the internet censorship because you're just getting the RSS feed. Through the RSS reader, you're bypassing Google censorship. You're bypassing Facebook and Twitter and all of that, which is really great. And then for sharing information to make sure you get it, you can go back to uh, what it was before social media where you emailed people. You know, maybe you go through and, you know, have an email that you, you know, are writing throughout the day, you know, with a list of things that you want to share or, you know, maybe write once a week, you know, email, you know, the electronic form of a personal letter, which provides deeper connection and relationships than just 
posting something on Facebook that based off of their algorithms, most of the people that you are friends with don't see. Only those that interact with you the most will see. You know, so you can get around and go back to, you know, pre-social media communication in order to be able to get around all the censorship. And I would say get a well-balanced source of information. You know, for instance, I am conservative, but do I get all of my news from conservative sites? No, I put in a mix of liberal sites into my uh, news uh, digest so that I can get a well-rounded view of what's going on because the truth is usually somewhere in the middle between what the right and the left is saying. Same thing uh, with podcasts, right? And so there are ways to get around the censorship, but remember the reason for the censorship is information control. It's designed to be able to control you by determining what information you are and are not allowed to know and what information or what ideas you are and are not allowed to debate. And it's because of that censorship that puts so many people into an information bubble that has led otherwise reasonable people to have strongly held but completely crazy and delusional beliefs. But when it all comes down to it, When it all comes down, what is online censorship? Well, I'd say this. If you have, as part of your agenda or as part of your strategy, if you have to engage in censorship, censoring information, access to information, banning debate on ideas, if that is the only way that you can convince people of your arguments, of your beliefs, by banning any access to anybody who disagrees with you, if that is your strategy, then you're just admitting that you're wrong. You're just admitting that your arguments and beliefs have no merit. You're admitting that your beliefs and ideas are vastly unpopular. Because the only way you can get them to follow or agree with you is through the iron fist of government, through the force of censorship, by banning access to intellectual pursuit and information. If you have to resort to censorship, then you're just admitting you've already lost and you're admitting you're wrong. All right, one last thing that I want to talk about here on this episode is the continuing of COVID-19. Look, this has been one of the things that have been very frustrating. And, you know, there's a lot of rigorous uh, debate going on about how, well, how serious COVID-19 is. I mean, you got a 99% survival rate. I know, I know, they want to go, well, if you take a look at the confirmed testing and the confirmed deaths, but... You know, let's face it, confirmed testing doesn't actually show everyone who has actually been infected. And as far as the deaths, we're not even talking about confirmed deaths. You know, we've seen people who've died in motorcycle accidents be listed as COVID-19 deaths. We've seen that once um, the certain agencies uh, who, how do I say, who are responsible for reporting COVID-19 deaths after it was changed to another agency, I'll suddenly come out and go, oh, yeah, we found some mistakes in our reporting. 
You know, it turns out that three-fourths of what we reported as COVID-19 deaths were actually regular, you know, pneumonia and flu uh, deaths. Or we see how uh, in New York, you know, we see a lot of deaths being labeled as COVID-19, and yet they're not even confirming or testing whether or not the death had anything to do with COVID-19. They're just going, person died, it's the middle of a pandemic, Let's stick our finger in the air. Okay, yeah, let's list that as a death because, you know, the more deaths that they can blame on COVID-19, the better they can make their other statistics look good. You know, as far as heart attacks and other causes of death, hey, look, we brought all that down, but, you know, we still have the same amount of deaths this year as last year because, you know, COVID-19 took over. I mean, it's kind of amazing to see you know, uh, the, you know, the shift of the causes of death all being the COVID-19, even though they're not even bothering to confirm whether or not the person who died, uh, died as a result of COVID-19 or even had COVID-19. As in the case of New York, they're just listing every death as COVID-19. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, misinformation. There's a lot of, you know, deliberate deception, uh, that is going on. But that's not to say that COVID-19 isn't serious. I mean, yes, you can die from COVID-19. You can die from the flu. You can die from a lot of different causes that we do not think about on an everyday basis. But with COVID-19, you know, since this is relatively new virus to us, we're able to go through and fearmonger people off of the fear of the unknown. But instead of trying to go off and pass myself off as some sort of expert, as if I know all the ins and outs of COVID-19, which, you know, I have to admit that I am not an expert. I can just go off of my personal belief, and you're going to go off your personal belief. And at this point in time, our personal beliefs are entrenched, and it's getting harder and harder to, you know, be able to come up with anything that will change anybody's mind, because You'll cite your experts. I'll cite what, who I believe are experts. You'll cite your media sources. I'll cite my media sources, whatever, right? This can go on and on and on. And no matter who ends up being wrong, they're going to believe that they are right. So I'm not going to go off and try and change your mind about COVID-19. You make your own decisions about how much of a risk you believe it is to you. And how much of a risk it is to you is based off of quite a few factors. You know, what's your initial health? You know, what's your age? And, you know, do you have other pre-existing conditions? You know, a virus that is deadly to one person may be harmless to another person. And that's one of the frustrating things that we get at when we talk about COVID-19 or any other you know, pandemic outbreak, and how long does it take to get to herd immunity? Now, that, you know, adds to the complexity of it, along with all of the deliberate misinformation for political purposes. But when it comes down to it, what has happened is it has effectively shut down the economy for a lot of countries, including the United States where the government has deliberately said, no, 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 your business is not allowed to be open, which has put a lot of people on unemployment. You know, or, hey, if your business is able to be open, you're only able to be at half staff. You know, and so the government has taken deliberate action 
to shut down most of the economy. And so this gets into the argument about the stimulus check and what should we do about, you know, our national debt versus the stimulus. And of course, they're right now in the middle of debating whether or not to put out a second wave of the stimulus. Now, generally, I am not supportive of welfare, but I do not consider the stimulus checks to be welfare because it's not that you're not willing to work, but it's that the government is actively preventing you from working. And if the government is going to actively prevent you from being able to earn a living, then they should be willing to compensate uh, you for that so that you don't end up starving in the streets. And, you know, we can go on back and forth about the national debt and everything. And yeah, that is a concern. And the longer the shutdown is going on, the worse things are going to be. But, you know, until they open up uh, the government, there's not really a whole lot that are open up the economy back, you know, uh, full swing. There's not really a whole lot that we can do about, you know, debating the national debt. I mean, yeah, you can debate it, but at the same time, it's like, well, the only other option is people are going to starve in the streets today. We might be able to make smart decisions later on down the road to bring the debt back down, although I highly doubt anybody in government will do anything smart. But in any event, one of the things that are going on, though, is that the left you know, is trying to go off and saying, oh, the stimulus package that the Republicans want to do, it's not serious. It, it provides too much benefits to corporations. As if corporations, you know, are immune to what the government has done to COVID-19. See, this is where I think that a lot of what's going on with the left has less to do with anything serious about COVID-19 and more about political positioning. Because let's say, we don't do anything for corporations and businesses. And they go under. And then COVID-19 disappears, or we get a vaccine or a cure or something. Well, now we're cured, but now there's no businesses for people to go back to work to. And this is what a large number of people on the left do not realize, is that corporations are people, right? They are, I mean, I get that, you know, it's not exactly the same as people, but corporations, where do you think people get their livelihoods from? Um, where do you think people earn an income from? Unless you're self-employed, it's because you go to work for somebody else, a corporation, a small business. And if they go under, guess what? Your ability to earn a livelihood to provide for your family goes under. And so this whole talk from the left about hey, we should not be bailing out corporations who are hurting because we are forcing them to not be able to do business, even though they still incur expenses, even while they don't uh, have the ability to open the door. So it seems like the left's entire idea is we're going to shut things down. We're going to blame it on COVID-19. We're going to wait until all these businesses go under. Then we're going to declare COVID-19 is gone. But then there's no jobs for people to go back to, and therefore, we can just blame Trump. See, he destroyed the economy, and now there's no jobs to go back to. But if we keep the businesses uh, open or keep the businesses afloat while we wait to get past COVID-19, well, then COVID-19 will never go away. It will never be safe again. Therefore, it was the mishandling, and it's Trump's fault. 
I mean, it, it, it's all political. But yes, in addition to going through and keeping, you know, everybody afloat, you know, the individual afloat with some stimulus checks and some ability to earn an income, it is just as important to keep businesses afloat so that people have jobs to go back to, so that people have a place where they can go to earn an income if they don't have the ability to run their own business or make their own money so that they can provide for their family. This whole, you know, line from the Democrats, you know, always attacking corporations and businesses is just a farce, just an excuse, you know, just another way that they can try and attack your ability to be able to provide for your family and to further the American people's dependence on government handouts and welfare so that during election time, they can come out and see, well, you better vote Democrat. Oh, if you don't, those evil Republicans, they're going to take away your ability to provide for your family and you're going to end up starving and homeless in the streets with your kids dying in your arms because you're too incompetent to be able to take care of yourself without the government handing you money like a child getting an allowance. That, that's what the ultimate goal of the Democrats are. Dependency on government. Because once you depend on them to take care of you and lose the ability to take care of yourself, the ability to upend the Constitution, to eliminate your rights and your freedoms for a false sense of security becomes all that much easier. All right, so that's it uh, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll try not to wait so long uh, for the next episode, and I'm working on being able to get to a point where I can provide more consistency. Not a daily episode, but maybe a twice-a-week show. You know, I will try to do that. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I will be back again soon.